With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. everybody welcome back to another edition of the tell it's abs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network i am your host as always griffin youngs and before we get into today's episode first a word from our sponsor DraftKings sportsbook you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. All you have to do is make a lineup, whether it be a classic lineup, a showdown lineup, or a tiers lineup. However you like to make your lineups, DraftKings has the games for you. Adds just a bit of excitement to every single game, having some stakes in it with every player. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, with a B, to users across all sports. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the actions. And now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. So how is everybody doing? Hockey season has officially concluded for a few days now, and we just sit here and continue to wait for anything, really. Anything of substance at all. Buyout window is open. No buyouts as of yet. No trades since Victor Arvidsson a few weeks ago. It's been kind of dead ever since Tampa Bay hoisted the Stanley Cup. And I know I said, well, probably after the expansion draft, things are going to heat up. But man, I wasn't expecting it to be this dead. Hopefully things will pick up soon. And I mean, I guess there's just no one's really going to do anything significant until after the expansion draft. I'm not like saying I'm expecting like an Eichel trade or anything or even a Seth Jones trade. I mean, just like anything. I'll take that at this point. Just literally anything at all. I've had the Arvidsson trade July 1st. And by the time you're listening to this, it'll be July 12th. Be 11 days without any moves. 
I'm getting bored. We've had one whole trade this entire offseason, and it was during the final. Now there's no hockey. We're all already bored. Come on, man. Come on, Sackett. Give us something to work with here. We're all getting bored here. And we're in right in that little sweet spot where things don't have to happen yet. By the time you're listening to this, it's July 12th. The buyout window opened on July 8th after the Stanley Cup was awarded. That'll close on the 27th. And 17th is the deadline for teams to submit protected lists for the Seattle expansion draft. We will talk about the expansion draft in a little bit. The 18th and 20th is Seattle's exclusive window to interview teams' upcoming unrestricted free agents. The 21st is the expansion draft. The 23rd and 24th are the entry draft, and the 28th free agency opens. That little seven-day window between the expansion draft and free agency is probably when everything is going to happen, or at least the the strong majority of this offseason is going to happen. So that's probably going to be the busiest time where we've got a lot of things to talk about. Just by default, you have an expansion draft, which in itself is exciting. Then you're going to have the actual draft, which is going to be weaker than normal years. We'll talk more about the draft as it gets closer, but not as many, it's not as top heavy as it usually is. We still have no idea who the first overall pick is going to be, or even really the second overall pick is going to be. Maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention, but it doesn't seem like anybody really cares about the draft all that much this year. Not even much out of Buffalo. I mean, there's Owen Powers. I don't think anyone's really salivating over him. He might not even be top three. There's been a debate over William Eklund, whether he should go first. We'll, I mean, we'll see what Buffalo does. I have no insights on the draft or even who the Avalanche could be targeting as of now because I haven't looked into it yet. But the Avalanche, they have their first third and seventh round picks. I mean, they'll be around on the first day, assuming they don't make a move with their first round pick between now and the 23rd. We'll see if they do anything with that because, I don't know, you've already traded all your picks already. What's one more at this point? But we're just in right in that little sweet spot right now where, I mean, things can happen. And that's the worst part. They can happen, so I'm half expecting to wake up and see things happening, but nothing's happening yet because, I mean, why would you make a Jack Eichel trade right now? Like, why why would you just add that guy and then have to protect him and then lose someone else later when you can you can just make it after the expansion draft? You can do it during the entry draft. And, of course, there's the whole thing with the, the medical issues and what Eichel's even going to do for his surgery on his neck and when he's even going to be available for next season. So that whole thing is a mess. And we talked about the Tarasenko rumors last episode. Who even knows what that's going to look like? I mean, once we finally get some protected lists, we'll be able to better understand what teams are going to do. We'll look at what the Avalanche's protected list is is likely going to look like in this episode and who Seattle likely takes from the Avalanche a little later on. But by the 17th, which is five days by the time this episode releases, we're going to have a much better idea because there's the Avalanche, I think, is pretty straightforward outside of maybe the last protected slot on four. But there's teams like 
Minnesota that I think could be very interesting, Anaheim, bunch of other teams that just have some interesting decisions to make, like Calgary, teams like that. Colorado, they're going to lose a quality NHL player. I mean, we'll talk about this more in a second, but some some teams are in a bad spot. I wouldn't I wouldn't say the Avalanche are in a bad spot at all, really. But ever since our last episode, uh literally nothing of note has happened in the NHL. This is without a doubt the most dry episode in terms of news that's I think I've ever had think I mean this podcast started in mid-December just about a month before the season started and then we back then we just had the beginning of the season to look at and training camp and the anticipation of a new season I mean that's noteworthy and obviously we had the whole season after that there's always something new to talk about every day because every day of the the season, there at least was a game, even if the Avalanche weren't in it, there was always at least a game, trade deadline, playoffs, so yeah, now I'm really thinking about it, this is the least newsworthy episode I think there's been, but we've still got plenty of plans for this, we're going to talk about the expansion draft, what's going on, just speculate a bit, and some speculation about Gabe Landeskog has surfaced as of late, nothing significant, but Elliot Friedman wrote in his 31 Thoughts blog, that he believed that the Avalanche and Landeskog will come to an agreement soon, but he sees potential other suitors there, even if if they don't come to an agreement as of yet. And the exact quote from Friedman, his 17th thought in 31 Thoughts, he says, My bet is Gabriel Landeskog gets done in Colorado but I could also see the Kings around there, possibly the Blues if they can move Tarasenko. Landis Gog is the kind of player St. Louis lusts after. Very interesting word choice from Elliot Friedman there. Uh, thought of Landis Gog on the Blues makes me wretch. I don't know how much I believe that. And, I mean, you also look at this. There's not really any real... I don't want to say, like, everything Elliot Friedman says is credible, but he's just being straight up here. Like, the language here is, my bet is I could also see and possibly, like, this is all just his speculation. I think he's completely right. I think Landis God does get it done in Colorado. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I don't think every passing day, oh, well, what if, what if he doesn't, just because... Free agency ticks closer and closer every single day, but the reality is no pending UFAs, or at least the big ones, have signed any extensions as of late, and there are going to be guys that do that. I mean, Alex Ovechkin in Washington, or at least I hope so, has not signed an extension as of yet, and I'd say there's a 99% chance that he's going to, but... You look around the league, no no upcoming UFA has signed any extensions. And even if there's just a mass exodus of UFAs in this upcoming draft, more than we think, there's going to be some. Like, some of these guys are going to re-up with their teams. Like, So I'm not 
too worried about Landeskog as of yet. I do think the expansion draft does have a bit to do with it. I mean, we'll get more into Landeskog and expansion draft more in a second, but like, no, but nobody has signed extensions like Corey Perry in Montreal. That seems like a slam dunk for them. That hasn't gotten done yet. Taylor Hall in Boston is rumored to be a thing. Barry in Edmonton has been rumored to be a thing for a while. I mean, Ovechkin and Washington is go is going to get done. If there is such a slam dunk to get done in the next little while, it is Ovechkin and Washington. And I'd say right behind him is Landeskog in Colorado. I mean, for for Landeskog to walk away, there would he would have to be so completely out of line with his ask and standing so firm that we have no choice but to move on. Because you don't just let your 28-year-old captain walk while you're in the midst of your Stanley Cup window. Like, that just, that just doesn't happen unless they don't want to be there. And Landis God does want to be here. Like, that, that's the only way. Like, if he's asking for, like, over $8 million, like, approaching 9 does this become, well, no. We're not going to re-sign you for that. And I just don't see that happening. I can't see that contract being more than seven. I just think they're waiting, just like everyone else in the league is waiting. Like, all the signings that we've had as of late are just, like, picking around the edges, guys. I mean, the the biggest—actually, I, I stand corrected on my earlier statement. There have been—there's been one big name that came off the market. That was Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton. He signed an eight-year deal— worth 5.125 a year. So I I forgot about that one now that I'm looking at it again. But like you're seeing some of these guys upcoming UFAs signing extensions. Nugent Hopkins is the biggest one so far. I mean, obviously that's an 8-year deal. I mean, there's been some RFAs like Joel Eriksson Eck. Those are different situations. But like you look at around the league like Beck Malenstein in Washington, Scott Wedgwood, Nick Bugstad, like that's really it. I mean, you Honestly, the the UFAs that have even been signed, it's not even that many. I mean, you've got Nuge, Simmons, Bugstad, Wedgwood, Malenstein, guy like guys like that. So there's been no big names outside of Nugent Hopkins coming off the market yet. So I wouldn't sweat it. I mean, the you you might be listening to this and Landeskog might be signed. Like that, there might be a deal being worked out as I currently speak right now. I mean, the expansion draft might finish, and before Seattle even gets off our screens, we might have a Landeskog extension announced. We just we just don't know. I'm not going to worry about it, really, until prob- probably July 27th is probably when I'll be like, okay, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> that Like, that's the day before free agency. And that's probably when I'll start to feel beads of sweat falling every time I think about Landeskog. I mean, and also when it comes to Makar, I'd, I'm not worried about that at all. That's an RFA thing. That can go into training camp for all I care, as long as that gets worked out. Jost and Groovauer, I mean, I just I just don't know. I talked about it in, in, the, in the episode I dedicated to him. I just don't know with him, what that contract's going to look like if they do sign him. It's a, it's a real, it's 
fragile footing, to say the least. You're walk you're walking on eggshells. You don't you just don't know what that's gonna look like. It's kind of like if you do sign him, what if he's not the same again? What if just goaltending is voodoo and you never know? What if you let him walk and you can't replace him? And now all of a sudden you've got a major goaltending hole when you had a guy who was a Vesna finalist last year. I mean, well, we can get into all that at a different time, but this is what I mean. Like I, I'm waking up like expecting to check my phone and see something has happened, but it just it never does. There's there's just nothing that's happened so far. And there's the the Duncan Keith trade that always seems to be on the books, and now that seems like it's calmed down a lot. Like even even the rumors are dying down. Like it seemed like Eichel was almost imminent for a while, and now that's clearly cooled back down. Like there's there's just such a log jam of stuff. Like, stuff that has to happen. Like, there's no way Eichel can play for the Sabres next year. Seth Jones has asked for a trade. Like, Vladimir Tarasenko has asked for a trade. And, like, they're just, there's stuff teams have to do in order to make things work. Like, even things like preparing for Seattle, like the Arvidsson trade, that they have to do in order to just make things work. But there's just... There's nothing happening yet. We're almost waiting for that first domino to fall. And that first domino might just end up being Seattle entirely. And speaking of Seattle, we can start talking about what the expansion draft is going to look like for the Avalanche now. I mean, I put it off the entire regular season. I put it off for the last little bit to talk about our upcoming UFAs. There's no better time than now to at least just look at the Avalanche and what their expansion draft could look like. So for those unfamiliar, the the formats for protecting players in the expansion draft are one format is you can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. The other one is you can protect eight skaters, which can be any number of forwards or defensemen as you like, and one goalie. No matter what, you must protect one goalie. What I have for the Avalanche is a 7-3-1. They protect seven skaters. Protect 3D and one goalie. Goaltending is it's kind of uh, nothing at this point. I just protected Philip Grubauer. If you think you can resign him, you should protect him. Not that Seattle's looking at Colorado for their goaltending anyway. The other options are you protect Hunter Miska or Jonas Johansson. I mean, if Seattle ends up taking Miska, Miska or Johansson, I, mean, I love JoJo, but I'm I'm not gonna shed any tears over them taking our third string goalie. In, if he even remains our third string goalie by the end of the offseason. So if they want to take Miska or JoJo, by all means, go right ahead. Goaltending when it comes to expansion for Colorado is, is a nothing topic. The, Seattle's not going to look at it. There are much more enticing options around the league for them. I just protected Grubauer because why not? You need to protect somebody, protect his UFA signing rights, and move on. Now... I went 7-3-1 because most teams, when they go eight skaters, they tend to protect four defensemen. I don't see the need for that for Colorado unless you're put in the unfortunate spot of Eric Johnson not waiving his no-movement clause. I don't see how that happens. I think I talked about this earlier in the season during like the first COVID break back in February. But having a no-movement clause means you are automatically protected in the expansion draft unless the team approaches you and you 
elect to waive it for expansion purposes. Then the team can leave you unprotected and use your protection slot on somebody else. Now, Eric Johnson is the only player on the Avalanche with a no-movement clause. I really can't see a scenario where he doesn't waive, because if he doesn't, the Avalanche will just buy him out and get him off the books anyway and just protect Devon Taze. Because if they, if they protect three defensemen and Eric Johnson has to be one of them, then Devon Taze becomes a very easy decision for Seattle to take, and we're that ends the discussion there. So even if Eric Johnson plants his feet and refuses to waive his no-movement clause for whatever reason, then you just simply buy him out or trade him if a team is willing to take on $6 million for the next two years. But again, I don't see why he wouldn't waive the the no-movement clause. It helps the team. Seattle's not going to take him, and a buyout in the long term is going to cost him money, I believe, I don't remember, honestly. I think it's $4 million over the out of the next $12 million he's going to make. I don't have his contract up in front of me. I guess I can pull that up real quick and look at more deeply at his contract details. Makes $6 million on the cap for the next two years. He makes $6 million across the board no matter what. Buyout current contract cap friendly is incredible. So... He ends up, so he he loses a fair bit of money. He loses $4 million out of the potential 12 if his contract is bought out. So it seems like a pretty simple decision to make for both sides. Eric, either you waive your no-movement clause or we're going to buy you out, and that's going to cost you $4 million. Even if you waive, it is highly unlikely that Seattle will take you, and even if they do, you will get a fresh start with a fresh city and probably an increased role than you would have in Colorado anyway. So I don't see this being a problem. I think he waves with no issues. If there is an issue, it won't be one for long, and it will be a a costly one for him unless we can find a trade partner before that. And if we do buy him out, it will cost $2 million against the cap for the next four years. So we'd save $4 million on the cap in the first two years, and it would be $2 million of dead cap for the next two years after that. But outside of that, like I said, I don't see that being a problem. So I am protecting Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, and Devon Tays. End of story. And for the seven forwards I have protected, Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, I did protect Gabe Landeskog, Andre Burakovsky, Nazem Kadri, Tyson Jost, and the last one is the most interesting I picked Val Nachushkin to protect. The other options there are Jonas Donskoy and JT Kompfer. Nachushkin makes less money than both of them. He's younger. Well, he's the same age as Kompfer, but he's better than Kompfer. He's an outstanding two-way forward. He matches up very well against other teams' bottom sixes, and he's a. I just think he's a great fit on this team. And I love Donskoy, but he's streaky. And he makes 3.9. We'll have to replace him if he's taken. But it's a replacement you can afford to make. And clearing up 3.9 on the cap is probably going to be good for the team in the offseason. So so my protection list leaves, I think, 
three or four really realistic options for Seattle to take. On the forward side, Jonas Donskoy and JT Kompfer. And if you want to stretch it a little bit, Logan O'Connor could be an option for them as well if they would like to take him. I don't think they would just because of the small sample size when it comes to him. And on defense, really the only option I think they would go for is Ryan Graves. If they want to take Jacob McDonald because he's available and he will be exposed, I mean, I, I love McDonald. He's very fun to watch, but I think I think Colorado ultimately celebrates a victory with that only losing McDonald in the expansion draft. So really, it comes down to three options for the Avalanche. Forwards, Donskoy, and Kompfer on defense, Ryan Graves. Now, I don't think Seattle takes JT Comfer unless they're willing to take a chance on a guy. I think Donskoy is analytically a better option for them. I think Seattle's going more in on analytics and they look more favorably towards Donskoy and he just, Donskoy can just provide more than Comfer can, but who I have Seattle taking in the expansion draft is indeed Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves, 26 years old, makes 3.1 against the cap until 2023. I think this is just a smart decision for Seattle. I mean, he's not the best defenseman in the world, but he's the kind of guy you take a chance on as Seattle. He's a big guy. He's a real solid penalty killer. He blocks shots, all that kind of stuff with the avalanche. He's 26. He's not young, but he's nowhere near old. I'd say he's about in his athletic prime. And yeah, it would suck to lose Graves. It would suck to lose a good player on the team. But I I think you just eat it and you, you let it happen. I don't think you need to make any special moves because that's where the mistakes come in. We saw with the Vegas expansion draft that teams were so desperate for Vegas not to take a certain player that they would make a move to dissuade them otherwise and would end up giving them better players than what they ultimately took instead. And when it comes to Graves or Donskoy, you can replace them. I mean, the Avalanche, they have Bo Byram that's about to come up. They're going to have all their guys on defense that are ready to come up, but whether it is Byron or Justin Barron in a few years, whether it's Connor Timmons, whether it's even Jacob McDonald, like you, you can replace these guys. Like I, I would really discourage getting too fancy when it comes to the expansion draft. I would keep it straightforward, go with seven forwards protected, protect your big three on defense Goaltending doesn't really matter in this situation, and you you just lose a guy. Oh well, it's the expansion draft. That's just how it's gonna have to be. Yeah, they could make a move somewhere and entice them to what take JT Comfer. I mean, if they're enticing them to take Comfer, I would be on board with that. But it just depends on what else is going as well. I mean, Donskoy as well. I mean, Donskoy makes 400000 more and 
is a very is a very streaky player. I mean, when he's hot, he's hot, and he scores a hat trick in nine minutes, like he did against Arizona earlier this year. But he also goes cold for twenty games at a time. He's also twenty nine, and is signed for the next two years. And his shooting percentage with Colorado is the highest that's ever been. I mean, Donskoy is a guy who's been in the league since twenty fifteen. He was a fourth-round pick in 2010, got tossed around the league a little bit, makes his debut with the Sharks over the course of full seasons, 11 goals, 6 goals, 14, 14. And then he comes to Colorado. I mean, his last season in San Jose, over 80 games, he scores 14 goals. And then in 65 games with the Avalanche, he scores 16. And then in 51 last year, he scores 17. I don't know about you, but those seem like outliers a little bit. And I, and I love Don Skoy. However, a lot of those goals last year came in the span of about five games. Three of them came in nine minutes. His shooting percentages, I wonder if they are something that can be sustained for the next two years. I mean, we've gotten great value out of his contract so far. We signed him to a four-year deal in 2019 were 3.9 each and we've gotten really solid value out of that contract however if seattle does decide to take him i'm i really think that they're not going to be getting the same kind of goal scorer maybe they do but when it comes to Donskoy, i think anything can happen with him maybe he's just figured it out and is a better shooter now than he was but shooting percentages crash, and they do that a lot. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised whether Donskoy's on Colorado or Seattle next year if he's, his scoring goes down just because progression to the mean. And when it comes to Graves, ideally you'd want to keep him. Obviously, we signed him to keep him after the bubble playoffs. And But you also have Taze and Gerard and McCarr those are your more important guys, and just with the way that the expansion draft is set up, when it comes to a team as good as the Avalanche, you're going to have, more likely than not, a quality player exposed. And Ryan Graves is a very divisive player. He's very polarizing, but he does certain things very well. He His skating isn't great. He gets in the way of shots. He brings a, a level of physicality to the team. He does certain things very, very well. He has a role on this team that would have to be replaced. That being said, I don't think you fight Seattle on taking him. I think you get that $3 million off the books, and you, you, ha- you have internal replacements. Like we said, you have Byram, who's going to be a full-timer next year. You can give an increased role to Connor Timmons. We'll see what happens with Eric Johnson this offseason if he returns next year. If he's back, you plug him back into the lineup as well. You've got a Jacob McDonald who can work on a third pairing. You also have the free agency and trade market in order to figure out what you're going to do. So again, a lot of mistakes in the Vegas expansion for teams like Florida and Minnesota came from overthinking. I don't think the Avalanche need to overthink this. They're going to lose a player that they would rather keep. Unless it ends up being JT Kompfer, who I think they would rather move on from at this point. 
I they're gonna lose a player that they would rather keep in Donskoy or Graves. There's no way around that. Even if they make a deal and they entice Seattle to take Comfer or somebody else or even entice them to take the full $6 million of Johnson's cap, but they're going to be giving up something else that they would rather keep. So my philosophy with it is don't overthink it. Let them take Graves. Let them take Comfer. Let them take Donskoy. Let them take O'Connor if they want him. If they want Jacob McDonald, let them take him. I mean, and also the thing with, with Vegas is that we we all did the mock drafts and the protection list and everything, and it ended up looking completely different because of the amount of deals that Vegas made at the end of the day. And Colorado is just one of 30 teams that Seattle is going to get to pick from. And I say 30 because Vegas, for some godforsaken reason, is exempt from the stupid expansion draft which is ridiculous, but that is neither here nor there to talk about. But Colorado is just one cog in that machine for Seattle. I mean, they might take a ton of defensemen from other teams and have no need for Ryan Graves. They might see Jonas Donskoy as a guy they can plug into their top six and end up taking him. They might take a bunch of other forwards from other teams. They might like Ryan Graves a lot. We don't know. They might like someone else on Colorado. They might be targeting certain UFAs that would make both Graves and Donskoy not useful for them. Maybe maybe they wouldn't even look at those guys at all. We just don't know. But personally, if I was running Seattle and in a vacuum I'm looking at Colorado, I would select Ryan Graves. There is still upside there. He's a very useful defenseman. Obviously, he's not a Gerard Taser McCarr on this team. He gets a bit buried, but if you give him a, a top four role, I think I think he can give you something for Seattle. I think he's solid, and analytically, his his numbers come out very well. Seattle puts a lot of stock into that. That's the move I would end up making. And, and over the next little while, I'll look more into other teams, especially around the the Central Division for their expansion draft. I mean, the biggest problem for Seattle is going to be to find centers. Centers are going to be at a premium in the expansion draft. They're going to have to figure out how they're going to ice four centers. That's where I imagine the, the free agent market and striking deals with other teams is going to come into play. But Colorado just can't offer that. I mean, when it comes to Tyson Jost, he's just he's not going to be available for them to pick. I see no reason as to why we would leave Jost unprotected, especially after the the second half of the season that he had this year, and he's still only 23 years old. I mean, it's kind of weird to think that Jost is... He's been young forever. I mean, he came into the NHL in 2016. His first full season was 2017. He's had four full NHL seasons already, and he's still only 23. It just seems like the kid has been young forever, because he kind of has been. And he'll be... He's, and he's only just 23. He'll be 24 in March of next year. I see no reason as to why we should let that go. I still think there's a, there's a ways for him to go when it comes to his development as an NHLer. And... He's a solid two-way player for us. His second half of the season was excellent. And yes, he got caved in 
against Vegas, but you can really blame that more on Nazem Kadri than Jost for putting him in that position to begin with. And I know there's all the hot takes out there that Kadri should be exposed and everything. It Look, it's, that's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. You're not giving up Kadri for free. If, you, if Kadri's not going to be on your team next year, you trade him and you try to replace him that way or at least get value back that way. If you feel so strongly about Kadri not being on your team next year, you trade him. You don't give him away for free. I mean, that's your second-line center who could be a first-line center on most bad teams. That's, that's pretty much how you define a solid second-line center. Kadri is still a solid second-line center. Yes, we're all still mad at him, but the emotion of that has passed, and we need to look at it realistically. If you give away Kadri for free, you're going to have to replace him, and how do you do that? Because it can't be Alex Newhook, and it can't be Tyson Jost. Alex Newhook played a few games in the regular season, and he was decent. That is a hell of a bet you'd be making to shove him right into the lineup as your now top six center. I mean, we're trying to win a cup here, for God's sake. You can't just shove a kid into that scenario and be like, all right, we're also trying to win, but we're also experimenting with a prospect in our top six. That, that's what teams like the Senators and the Red Wings do while they're trying to rebuild and not really caring about winning just to see what they have. We don't need that. We have Kadri for one more year. Let's use him for one more year you let him walk the year after that unless he plays out of his mind next year and doesn't get himself suspended in the playoffs. And you figure it all out from there. But you keep Kadri this year, you figure out his replacement next year, which is probably going to be Alex Newhook or Tyson Jost by then, but you don't know that yet. So you don't you don't push Kadri out the door yet. He has one more year, let him play the year. But when it comes to Colorado's expansion draft, I don't think it needs to be any more complicated than that. Johnson waves his no-movement clause. You protect Grubauer. And I guess I should bring up why I protected Landeskog. You don't leave your captain unprotected. You don't let Seattle get the bug in his ear that they'll give him a ridiculous amount of money and make him the face of their franchise. Like, it, it doesn't matter how loyal Landeskog is. If you're having contract negotiations with Colorado and they're offering you $6 million and this team with all the cap space in the world gets in your ear, like, we will give you eight times eight. We will make you the captain of this team. You will be the face of our new franchise. It'll give them something to think about. And you don't take that chance with your captain, with your one of your faces of the team. You protect him. And if you don't protect him, I mean, what, what are you protecting instead? Are you protecting Comfer? Are you protecting Donskoy instead? Like, that, it's just not worth it. There's no reason to do that. So you protect Landeskog just because that's your guy, that's your captain. You don't risk them taking him and then offering him a crap ton of money. I mean, you can have a handshake deal in place all you want, but if they come in with $8.5 million, for the full eight years, he'd be dumb not to think about it. And you don't want him thinking about anything else but playing for Colorado next year. So no, you don't do that. You protect him, you don't even worry about it, and you figure out Landis God's contract once that's all over anyway. But like I said, I don't think the Avalanche should make it any more complicated than that. 
you have Graves and Don Skoy exposed, or you can have Nachushkin exposed. It's really up to your preference. I prefer to protect Nachushkin, the younger player making less money and just a, re- a real hard-working guy that I think is part of the, the Jost-Nachushkin duo is one of the best on the team or underrated. At least I'd love to see those two run it back again next year. But it's up to it's really just up to preference at that point whether Donskoy or Nachushkin gets protected. So anyway, as I was saying, you leave Graves unprotected, or and along with Donskoy or Nachushkin, up to you, and you just you let it happen. You let the chips fall where they may, and see what Seattle is going to do. I don't. You don't need to trade a first or anything or offer them one of your prospects in order to not take this guy. Because, like, Graves and Donskoy and even Nachushkin and Kampfer are guys you can replace. They're replaceable guys. I mean, all teams except Vegas are going to have to be dealing with this to a certain extent. They're going to have to replace somebody. And you you can do that. You can do that without, like, mortgaging your own future or giving Seattle more players than they even need you, just, you figure it out. You can replace Graves. You can replace Donskoy. If you're giving up two players and all, like, it's just, it's galaxy braining that doesn't need to happen. It's overthinking. And you just, you get it done. You don't, you don't need to think about it any more than we're losing a guy. Part of our job this offseason is going to be to replace him. Because I wouldn't say Graves or Donskoy is just so essential to this team that we have to give up more assets to protect them. I just don't think that's at all necessary. So I think this is just as simple as it looks. Seattle takes one of Graves, Donskoy, Nachushkin, or Comfort, depending on who the Avalanche protect. And we'll get that list on July 17th when all all the teams have their expansion lists out. Then we can finally do a, a proper mock draft based off of that. But as for now, that's really just about it. I mean, as I was saying, there is nothing that's happening in the NHL right now. I mean, I might, I might wake up tomorrow as this episode goes live and there's 15 trades and 20 buyouts to talk about and blah 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 But as I'm talking right now, there is not much. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. We'll have more expansion talk coming over the coming episodes as long as some entry draft stuff. And hopefully some news to talk about sometime in the near future. I can't imagine I'm sitting here on Wednesday still with nothing at all to talk about. But I guess we'll have to see. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow me on Twitter at NHL and follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. Have a great week.